From WNET in New York, I'm Tom Stewart. Welcome to WNET Up Next, where we bring you inside the world of public media and help you get to know the people who make it all happen. Today, the second of our three-part series focusing on the hosts of MetroFocus, WNET New York Public Media's daily news program, Jenna Flanagan, Raphael P. Roman, and Jack Ford. And now, here with us is another of the triumvirate of <laughs> Metro Focus hosts, Mr. Raphael Piroman. Raph, welcome to WNATF Next. Great Thanks, to have Tom. you Thanks, Tom. Thank you. You have had such a, a wonderful uh, career here in public media. But before that, mm -hmm. uh, you had a very interesting life, not involved in journalism at all. No. What, what was your background before yeah. doing journalism? Okay, to make a short story long, I, uh, I came to New York City to go to NYU film school, graduate film school. The summer after my first year, I was given a job as a union organizer in West New York, New Jersey, because they were organizing, you know, recently arrived Cubans from the Mariel Boatlift who were working, street sweepers and such, and some Puerto Ricans and some Colombians. So they needed somebody who could speak Spanish. And I had some experience organizing in Jacksonville, Florida, where I grew up. Okay. Um, I was with Acorn, community organizer. So, so I was doing that. And somewhere in the summer, people who were in the film union, Neighbor 15 at the time was a freelance film union that so did TV and film workers that did commercials mm -hmm. and films. They heard about me. They knew I knew something about film. They knew something about union. They invited me to talk to them. And I thought, oh, they just wanted to get to know me. So we were chatting. And after, you know, like 20 minutes, they said, well, you got the job if you want it. <laughs> I didn't even know it was a job. You know, it was a job. <laughs> right. So I took it. I said, of course. And so uh, what did you do for them? Then? First, I was uh, what we call a business agent. I, my task was basically to go to, uh, to sets of commercials, mostly commercials. We mm -hmm. did some films then, but the films began to grow over the years. Uh, this is in the early 80s. And check out, make sure that all the rules are being followed. I negotiated some contracts, but I, I began to do that later. Some, you know, independent films, some stuff like that. And then ultimately I became the business manager, kind of like the CEO of that union. Wow. Um, and in that capacity, I was invited by this Cuban-American woman whom I knew, uh, Nelly Galan. I think you know her. Many years ago we met yeah. Nelly. So she was a producer of this show called Bravo, where they did a show in Spanish for a half hour. Then they did the same show with the guests in English. And you were perfect Again. for that. <laughs> right. So she invited me on the show to talk about the future of the labor movement. Um, she liked what I had to say. She invited me on the show to talk about other subjects after that. Uh, she and I became uh, uh, engaged at one point really? and, and disengaged at another. <laughs> but, uh, but she's the one when NBC was looking for, to re, uh, for a new host for a TV show called Visiones. She said, you know, this guy might fit the bill. It was in English, but it was aimed at the mm -hmm. uh, Latino community yeah. of the tri-state area. So that was your first real yeah. uh, television. Yeah. And again, the, the producer of that show called me up and said uh, he wanted to talk to me. I thought he wanted to negotiate some contract. Right. So all this stuff happened without my really knowing. And I always tell people, if I ever had attempted to be on television, it never would have happened. happened. Yeah. A series of happy accidents. Yeah. But you yeah. were prepared for it. You were ready to do that. Well, I, not if you look at the shows <laughs> that I did at the beginning of the career. But uh, I don't. But in terms of broadcast journalism, from Visiones, mm -hmm. you then came to WNET. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and there's been such a change in local news here mm -hmm. at WNET over the years. And mm -hmm. if I'm 
correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the first broadcast that you were involved with was called the Bulldog Edition. Yeah, the Bulldog Edition. Bulldog tell, edition. tell them what the Bulldog Edition The was. Bulldog Edition, because I, I know you know it because you did it every once in a, a while times. before. And then when I was still here, you still did it a few times. It was what, like five or seven minutes of news. Um, at a at, little about 11 o'clock at, at night. At 11 o'clock just before. Headlines. Yeah, it was essentially yeah, headlines. a headline service. And so we would... I mean, I liked it. I used to watch it all the time. Uh, Lou Louis Donnelly, Louis Donnelly who was in New York One, was, was my York predecessor. Yeah. And it was great because it was, you know, just just the facts. You know, weather, is it going to rain tomorrow? Is it going to be cold? And the headline news, maybe a, a sport feature and maybe some funny thing, but yeah. all in five to seven minutes. Yeah. Uh, I don't even think it usually went as far as uh, as long as seven minutes but but it was great you know um and but from was, then there have been so many uh, yeah. other wonderful uh, opportunities since mm-hmm. i know that you spent a lot of time working with your colleague uh, steve Adubato in new jersey new jersey yeah. programming but here the one that comes to mind prior to metro focus mm-hmm. is new york voices yeah new york voices we did that for seven years we began to do that right after 9 11 mm-hmm. and actually at the beginning it was um, bill baker the then president of 13 and bill moyers they would talk and they would bring guests uh, to talk about what had happened mm-hmm. and the meaning of it everything from experts on, on terrorism to religious people and so they began it and then i did it a few times with bill baker and then after a while, somebody came up with the idea, it was Bill or uh, I forget who, you know, let, let's try to make this a regular show. They brought in John Natale, who used mm-hmm. to be a producer for the NewsHour, to be the executive producer. Of, and this was a weekly news program yeah, with a local orientation. Exactly. The difference between that and Metro Focus is that we went in the field. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we went and did interviews in the field and we did packages, we did pieces. Um, well, Metro Focus is basically an interview show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we did that for seven years, and it was a great team. John Natale was a, I love him. He, you know, he's a great friend, and and all the um, Jim Epstein. But now to Metro Focus, yeah. and today's Metro Focus is an expansion of the original Metro Focus, which was not a daily show. But no. now Metro Focus is on WNET, WLIW twenty one on NJTV, and I was going to name the times that Metro oh. Focus is on, but that would require a podcast of its own. It's basically <laughs> on several times a day. Yeah, on, on, on those three on, on, on those outlets. Yeah. So you've gone to becoming involved with a daily program, yeah, yeah. A, a very I, different set of demands. Metro Focus began. We would do it every once in a while. Back in 2010, Neil Shapiro had the idea the whole time of ultimately making it into a daily. But it began, you know, we started shooting back, I think it was 2010, and it went to a couple times a month, then it went to a weekly, and then two and a half years ago, I think it was, uh, it became a daily with the the new executive producer, uh, Dave Brown, Um, who's a great guy. Anyway, even though there's three of us, it's it's a lot of work. We do, you know, we do. A, I, I call it a perpetual final exams week <laughs> because you are constantly boning up on what you're going to talk about next, which mm-hmm. must be stimulating and challenging at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. How much how much advanced preparation do you actually oh. have for? Let's say that an interview is going to come up. You just did one with Eric Idle. Right. How much time did you have before I, you knew that you were going to be talking to with him? Idle? I actually had uh, about. Almost two weeks, but that was easy because we were talking about a special. It's easier. Because you have a chance to screen it. Yeah, you screen it. I usually see it a couple of times. I look at reviews of it, and I come up with the questions. When it's a book, for example, I recently interviewed Ron Charnow, who did Hamilton, and now he just went Grant, and it's about 1,000 pages long. 
And I always do this. I say, I can't read the whole thing. And since it was a new book, there weren't that many reviews, so you can't depend on that. Mm-hmm. But it was so fascinating. It was so unbelievably fascinating that I read the whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and it was great. Um, how much time do I prepare? As much as time as I have, I will use. Unfortunately, sometimes it's like, hey, literally, I'm, I get called in the morning, 7.30. we got to do something at 8.30. And then I do what I can. And you do have help. There are producers. Oh, yeah, who yeah, are, yeah. Every, every talk segment. Talk about the team a little bit. Each segment, each interview that viewers watch is called a segment. Each segment has a producer attached to, attached it. to it. And the producer's responsibility is to get you uh, what they call the one sheet with basic facts, links to material that will help you bone up on the subject, and they will do a draft of the introduction. Yeah. And, I mean, it's great help. I always go beyond that usually, not because it's limited, but because that's that's who you are. That's who you are. Uh, Not always, if I can, I I do it. Um, So it's a great help. It's it's a team effort. And then these guys uh, and 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 women go out, and I mean they really have a hard job because on top of preparing for the segment, doing that one sheet, Mm -hmm. and and really boning up themselves on it. Then it's their responsibility is to edit it and to find all what we call the B-roll to cover it. Yes. Uh, so it's a real, real job for them, and I really appreciate the team. Any particular stories you're most proud of that you've done recently? In <gasps> you know, recently, it's, it's not about stories. It's, it's people that I've interviewed. I mean, the one that immediately comes to mind. I, I interviewed Dick Cavett, right? and Dick Cavett, to me, was like the gold standard. When sure. I was a kid, I would watch him. And and the first time I interviewed him, I've interviewed him three times, but the first time I interviewed him, I got a panic attack. I said, this is the guy. Yes, yes, <laughs> he's sure, so sure. good. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to be able to. He's going to think I'm terrible. Literally, my wife had to talk me down. <laughs> but then once. I'm sure it went well. Yeah, it was like a 45-minute interview. And he's such a wonderful guy, and he was so complimentary. I mean, for him to tell me that I was good, it was like I couldn't believe it. That's the—I mean, that's that's. But he's got that genuine quality of making you feel more comfortable. Yeah, and, you know, the thing with him was he was one of the first ones that really turned interview shows into conversation shows. Mm -hmm. You you never interviewed people, really. I mean, you had conversations where they asked you as many questions— most of the this time, as true. you ask them, That's was true. that something you consciously did because you wanted to do be different, or is that just the way you're going to well, do it, no matter what? I'll tell you what brought it into focus. As I got a phone call about a week before I started my very first show on ABC in the morning, and it was Jack Parr. Some people don't remember I Jack. I remember him. But we old folks. Yeah. yeah, I worked for Jack. And he called and he said, hey, kid, uh, look, you're going to do this show. Let me give you some advice. Don't do interviews. And that's what Jack did. And that's when it's going best, as you undoubtedly know. Yeah. You can throw away all your notes if you have a really good and interesting guest. Sure. And how about most challenging? Uh, well, the most, the most challenging ones Was were... that the 9-11 when yeah. you were doing the 9-11? Oh, yeah. That, that was very challenging. In fact, for a while there, I mean, we were down in, at uh, Ground Zero almost every day. And I began to get uh, claustrophobic in the subways. You know, I, I know, and I don't know why. I, I'm sure there's a link, but during that time, I remember I used to like it when the, the subway stopped. It was, you know, it's nothing I can do. I'm just going to read. I don't think I've ever shared this with you, but I had a very, very similar response. Really? Yeah. During that time? During that time, yeah. so much to the point where if I was stopped between a station, I would 
be very afraid and would actually start to get up and be agitated. Yeah, me too. Uh, me too. Me too. I think that was a very common response. Really, I didn't. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that. Oh my goodness! Sure. I and then so, you know you get nervous. You, you you're going to make a spectacle of yourself. I'm going to have to start. You know, and and you can't even breathing because you're, you're. Oh my goodness! Yeah. It's it's terrible. I mean, yeah. I, I've gotten over it, but that that was a uh, that happened. And here, you know, after the Paris attacks, we did a number of half-hour specials, and and that those are those are always hard. Those are always hard, and you know, and and when we do breaking news stories, those are hard. Those used to be my favorite. Now my favorites are talking to an author or talking to a Broadway, talking to Hal Prince. Mm. <laughs> you know, my first. Broadway play that I saw, Sweeney Todd. Okay. Of course, he produced it. Yeah. You know, I think he directed, directed it too. It as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, most people listening to us, the first Broadway play that they saw was probably had something to do with Hal Prince. Absolutely. It was amazing. Yeah. He's 89 years old, and he couldn't be, you know, more energetic. Absolutely. I love talking to him. I, I talked to Eric Idle today, but that was via Skype. He was in L.A. where he lives, but I got to talk to John Cleese. Oh, the other Monty Python. That must have been fun. Oh, my God, was that fun. First of all, there are people told me, you know, he's got to run. you got 15 minutes with him, right? So I'm sitting there in the studio looking over the questions, and suddenly somebody pulls the, the questions out of my hands and says, you won't need these. <laughs> <laughs> That's John Cleese. Yeah. Uh, he took the questions. He gave them back to me. <laughs> Thank <laughs> did God. Did he answer any of your questions? Oh, he, he did. And then when 15 minutes were up, I said, well, John, I mean, it has been terrific, uh, but we have to end it here. He says, oh, no, let's keep going. <laughs> and so we kept going for about go 20 for more minutes. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, yeah. That, that, that's and he so was cool. wonderful. He was such a great guy, very funny. Uh, Eric Idle was very nice, too, very funny, too, obviously. You know, a lot of people have ideas about what you do and what on-camera people mm -hmm. do in television. What do you think is the biggest misconception that people have God. about you and your work huh. and, 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 and what you do? I don't know. I guess it's that it's easier <laughs> than it is, <laughs> right? Well, but it's also very hard because the amount of homework yeah. that you have to I do, guess the that, amount I of guess preparation. That, yeah. you know, sometimes I think people think, oh, you just get up there and you say a few words right. and you talk to people and just do it off the back of your hand. But it, it requires yeah. a lot of preparatory work. You know, some people can do it that way. I can't do it that way. I mean, if I have to, I do it as close to that as possible. I mean, you know, we picked up some some skills in the course of the years sure. where, yeah. where we can, you know, bounce off whatever they say, even if you don't have a question until <laughs> it's your time to open your mouth. <laughs> right, so something, so <laughs> something happens. Yeah, something uh, happens. But, uh, but it's not my way. And quite frankly, you know, when I see somebody on television conducting an interview that I think is not prepared, it just makes me mad. Yeah. I mean, what's the point? Yeah. What's the point? The point of an interview on television is to get the audiences to learn something that they didn't know before. But if you don't know anything enough to be able to ask the right questions, that's not going to happen. So what's the point? Yeah. It's sort of embarrassing when you yeah. see that on, on mm -hmm. screen. Yeah. Are, are there underreported stories that you feel that Metro Focus has been allowed to do? Well, stories are not done by other news outlets. Well, I, I think that we cover Albany, mm -hmm. the stuff that happens in Albany a little more than most. And it's amazing because I think New York Cityers are not aware of how much our lives depend on the decisions that are made in Albany oh, rather yeah. than here. Yeah. In fact, I think some of our elected officials here aren't aware of it. Right. Um, so we cover what happens. I know that we're covering more of some of the, the minority communities than uh, perhaps you'd see in other stations. Maybe not, but I know we give them more time 
you know, because we have the luxury of doing a six to eight minute piece on a story. So that gives us an edge, I think. So you've been in public media now for a while. What's the best thing for you about public media? You know, as I often say with Neil, when we're talking about uh, during Pledge around the news hour, is the independence is the no strings attached. First of all, the fact that we do have a little more time, sometimes a lot more time. I mean, we've done a whole half hour. I've done a whole half hour interviews. Uh, who can do that in commercial television? So the time is important. But it is true that, uh, I mean, nobody's ever come to me and said, don't do that, or or you shouldn't have done that, or you shouldn't have interviewed that guy, or you shouldn't have interviewed that woman, or you shouldn't have taken that stand. I try not to take stands because I think that the Walter Cronkite uh, model is, is the right one. You know, you never knew where he stood. It wasn't until after he retired that you knew that he was a very liberal guy. You know, that's the journalistic uh, code. I, I think right? so. You know, you don't see that. I mean, that code is kind of going by the wayside. Yeah. And that's something we really uh, sort mm-hmm. of aspire to. Yeah. Raphael P. Roman, it's a pleasure to have you. Tom Stewart, Mr. thank you so much, my Mr. brother. Mr. Metro Focus, <laughs> uh, one of the three hosts of Metro mm-hmm. Focus. Thanks, Raph. Thank you, Tom. And, of course, Metro Focus is WNET's news and interview program seen every day on 13 and WLIW 21. It also airs on NJTV. You can find it online at metrofocus.org. And don't forget the Metro Focus app you can download to your mobile device. And, of course, the Metro Focus podcast. Thanks for listening, and join us again soon for the final segment of our look at Metro Focus, when we'll be joined by program host Jack Ford. Please share your thoughts with us at upnext at WNET.org. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher, where you'll receive our next episode automatically. WNET Up Next is a presentation of the Design and On-Air Promotion Department of WNET New York Public Media. I'm Tom Stewart.